Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Amen. Esther chapter 4. Verse 13. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether or not you have attained royalty for such a time as this. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. The King James says it this way. And who knows whether or not you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. Do me a favor and touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, you've got a date with destiny. Amen. Give God a praise. A date with destiny. Amen. A date with destiny and who knows whether or not you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this hallelujah a date with destiny the beauty of the Christian life is that in spite of all of the turmoil and the trial and the tribulation that we face we serve a God who loves us and who has orchestrated an awesome plan for each one of our lives. I know that at times it may not feel like it. I know that when you go to the bank and check your account balance, it may not look like it. But the reality is that the believer is in God's hand. And no matter what it looks like, God has plans for us. And these plans are for our ultimate good and God's ultimate glory. And whether you know it or not, our lives are not simply a random series of events. But God is orchestrating the affairs of our lives to bring us face to face with the marvelous purpose that he has designed. Every tear that you've cried, every job that you've lost, every relationship that has fallen apart, all of the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows were ordained by God to push you into the place of destiny. As a matter of fact, if you're in the building today, the reason why you've been able to survive what took some other people out wasn't because you were tougher than they were. It's because God preserved you because he had a plan for your life. And, and I don't know if you can get excited about that, but the reality is you're sitting in the building, saved and in your right mind, because you serve a God who had a plan for your life. God is working behind the scenes of your life to bring you to a place where he is going to get the glory out of your life. And so if God then has a plan for your life, that means that what looks like the end for other people is only the beginning for you. 
because what takes other people out can only make you better. God help me. I wish y'all get excited and help me preach this thing because the reality is no matter what it looks like for you, this is not the end. God has a purpose for you. He is preserving you until you come to the place where his purpose can be fully realized in your life. But even though it's God's job to preserve you until you reach the place of purpose and it is God's responsibility to keep you until you reach your defining moment, the responsibility of seizing that moment is yours and yours alone. God will bring you to the place of purpose. God will bring you to the doorway of destiny, but only you are able to take advantage of the place that God has brought you to. God will usher you right up to the doorstep of your next dimension. And whether you know it or not, it is your job to step through. And I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but God sent me to tell somebody that you are tiptoeing on the edge of greatness. God has sent me on assignment to let you know that you are almost there, that this is the critical moment in your life for you to take advantage of your destiny. And I know that you thought you could avoid it. I know you thought that you had to wait for somebody to lay hands on you and give you a title and a piece of paper. I know you were waiting for somebody to give you a prophetic word and tell you that you were called to do something but this is your moment to know that you are called into destiny. God has a plan for your life. Greater is on the horizon for you. And you've got to get up off of your sorrow, off of your shame, let go of your past, let go of anything that would try to tell you that you are not worthy and accept the fact that this is your time. God, help me. I, I know you may not feel like it. I know that sometimes the assignment that you know God has called you to might be scary and you want to run away from it and you've seen too many people mess it up before and you've seen people who said they had callings on their life try to do things that you feel led to do and they failed at it and you feel like God if I try this thing I'm going to fail it's not going to work out for me because I've seen so many other people fail at it but God said where they fail you will succeed where they, they, they messed up you're going to recover where they lost you're going to gain because I've got a calling on your life You've have, you have a date with destiny and this is your time. And I know you might not feel special. You might not feel, uh, you might feel like however you made it through the last season of your life by the skin of your teeth. You might even have some issues and some habits that you haven't worked out quite yet. But the truth of your life is that you are greater than you think you are. God's purpose for you is bigger than you believe it to be. And I know that the odds may seem to be against you. I know that sometimes you feel as if you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel but the beauty of your life is that God's hand is on you and you cannot die until he's done with you I know other people have sank into the quicksand of sin but you're going to rise above I know that you, some people have left the church and walked away from the faith but you're going to hold on to God's unchanging hand I know that some people have crumbled under the weight of pressure but you're going to stand up straight because no matter what it looks like it may seem like it's over it may feel like it's helpless you might think that you're through but God sent me here this morning to let somebody in the building know that in spite of what you are facing right now you've been called into the kingdom for such a time as this you have a date with destiny as a matter of fact do me a favor right now and preach to your neighbor and tell him you can't die here God help me you can't die here because you've got an appointment to keep God has scheduled you a 
date with destiny. God has scheduled you an appointment with purpose. Something is coming for you. Something is coming for you. And, and to demonstrate that point then, beloved, I want to draw your attention quickly to Esther chapter 4. Because in the story of Esther, God allows us to see that he has an unusual way of keeping his people from danger and positioning us in the place that he would have for us to be. The Bible lets us know that Xerxes is the king of Persia and he's married now to a woman by the name of Vashti and Xerxes is trying to conquer the known world and so in his attempt to conquer the known world beloved Xerxes sets out to conquer the nation of Greece and while he's trying to conquer the nation of Greece he goes to a country by the name of Sparta because Sparta has the most fierce warriors in that side of the world and when he gets there you might have seen the movie 300 you didn't know that that movie 300 was based on his historical fact. The Bible says that he tries to conquer Sparta but Sparta whips his behind so bad that he has to go back to Persia. And so to lift up his spirits, the Bible says that he throws then a feast to lift his spirit. And he has a beautiful queen by the name of Vashti that know how to uh, uh, dance a little bit. She's, she's a gifted dancer and so what he does is he says, Vashti, me and the homies are kind of down because we got our butt kicked come out here and dance for us but for some reason the Bible does not tell us why Vashti refuses to come when the king calls her God help me and because she refused to come when the king called her the Bible says that she lost her position in the kingdom God help me that missed somebody uh, I want you to know that when you have a date with destiny you don't get to pick and choose when you come God help me oh God you need to come whenever the king calls you you don't get to decide when you're going to obey because God got people that he can use that you don't know nothing about God said I will eliminate your position and give it to somebody who's willing to use it for my glory so anyway the bible says that he divorces Vashti goes on the hunt for another queen finds a queen a little Jewish girl by the name of Hadassah who changes her name to Esther so that no one will know that she's a Jew the Bible says that Esther becomes queen and God uses Esther to move on the heart of the king. The king develops a, a, a great deal of affection towards Esther to the degree that Esther is even able to get her uncle Mordecai uh, who raised her when her parents were dead a promotion in the kingdom. The Bible says that now uh, there has been a plan uh, by a wicked man named Haman to exterminate all of the Jewish people. Mordecai is a Jew. Esther is a Jew. There are thousands hundreds of thousands of Jews maybe even millions of Jews in the Babylonian Empire and Haman has enacted a plan to get rid of them all and so in Esther chapter 4 Mordecai goes to Esther and asks Esther to use her position to move on behalf of the king God help me or to get the king rather to move on behalf of the people of Israel Esther looks back at her uncle and says look here uh, uh, the king and I got a good relationship I got a good position right now. I don't want to mess up anything that I got going on. I don't want to trouble the waters. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to do anything that could put my position in jeopardy. And so Mordecai responds to Esther and tells her, look, God gave you that position. And you can try to be quiet now. 
But if you be quiet, God is going to use another way to deliver his people. God, help me. That you are not the only option God has. God, help me. I, I wish somebody would really wake up. See, see, we're trying to talk some of you into being obedient, trying to talk some of you into serving in ministry, trying to talk some of you into the next level. And we got to hype you up and sing you up and prime you and poke you. But you got to even understand you are lucky that God even wants to use you. You're not even the best option that God has. God could use somebody else and you hesitating about whether or not you want to be used by God. The devil is a liar. Mordecai tells Esther that if you decide not to move, God's going to use somebody else. But you and your father's house will be destroyed. Ooh. So then that, that, that eliminates the idea then that when I blow up, it's just for me. That, that, that eliminates the thought process then that when God blesses me with stuff, that the stuff that God blesses me with is just for me. Because if the stuff that God blessed me with was just for me, then God wouldn't have elevated me. But God elevates you and gives you more money, gives you more time, gives you more influence, gives you more resources, gives you more connections. Check this out. For the benefit of his people. who are also your people. He gives you blessings for the benefit of the family of God. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? So the Bible says that Mordecai tells her, we need your help, but there is a problem. Okay? Esther, in order to get the help that she needs, has to go into the presence of the king. But the king, after Vashti broke his heart, that's why you got to be careful hopping into relationships with people who are hurting. Uh, that's for free. That wasn't even in my notes. But Vashti broke his heart. Then he married Esther before he healed. And now he got walls up that Esther got to work to get through. Yeah. But one of the walls that he put up was a rule saying, since Vashti didn't come when I called her, can't nobody come unless I call her. You can't just walk up on me. The, the, the open door policy in the palace is gone because vast I broke my heart. Don't nobody come in my presence without asking. And if you come into my presence without asking, the penalty is death unless I extend the scepter of grace to you. So Esther says, look, in order for me, Mordecai, to get what you want, I've got to go into the throne room. But the king has only sought my company in the bedroom. I, 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 I've been in the bedroom, but I've not been in the throne room. God help me. Uh, I, I, I've, I've, I've met with him for pillow talk, but he hasn't respected me enough to invite me to actually do any sort of legislative work. And so you're asking me to do something that I feel unqualified to do. My God, my God. But Mordecai tells Esther that there is no coincidence with God. You are the king's wife. Not because Xerxes was hurting, but because God wanted to position you to do a work on behalf of his people. Yeah, he says, look, 
This crisis is God's opportunity to usher you into destiny. Which means that no matter how dangerous it is, the crisis can't destroy you because God sent it to define you. God help me. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't be destroyed by what God sent to define you. God help me. Uh, uh, yeah, this is going to be the circumstance, the situation that reveals to the world who it is that you really are. Uh, th this is going to be the circumstance, the situation that lets people know that God's hand is on your life. Because where other people died, where other people were cast out, where other people were replaced, where other people had to suffer penalties, God said, I'm going to open up a door of grace for you that hasn't been on other people's life. And you know it to be true right now because you've survived some things that have killed some people around you. God help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you know some people, God help me, that have taken their own life, but you were going through worse things than they were going through. And for some reason, you're still here. Oh God, you, 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 you wanted to end it all. You, you wanted to give up. Anxiety had you by the throat but for some reason you're still here and God told me to tell you that the crisis will not destroy you because it's meant to define you you'll be able to say I am the one who overcame single motherhood I am the one who came out of a divorce I am the one God help me who who dealt with depression I am the one who dealt with financial difficulty I am the one who overcame student loan debt I am the one that overcame a supervisor who was unqualified I am the one that overcame church hurt and spiritual abuse. I am the one. It will not destroy you because it was meant to define you. Yeah. So Mordecai tells her, he says, look here. Don't think that you can just protect yourself. Right? And uh, you're going to be fine. Because if you look out for yourself, then God ain't looking out for you. But God going to look out for us. But if you look out for us, then God will look out for you. And all of us will be good. And who knows? Maybe you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai, in essence, then tells Esther. You have a date with destiny. Said, this is your time. I know you were wondering, your, your parents died. You have no siblings. It's just me and you. You were wondering why all this happened. Has anybody ever, let, let's be honest, has anybody ever wondered why the things that were going on with you were going on with you? I mean, let's just be honest. Let's just take off the pretense of church for just a minute. And have you ever just wanted to ask God, Lord, why? Why, why is this happening to me right now? Why am I going through this right now? Why does it feel the way that it feels? Why am I married to this trifling person? Why am I working for this company that doesn't appreciate me? Why is it going this way? I, 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 guess, I, guess, I guess you got to be real spiritual to not... Have to want to ask God why because I go through stuff all the time. 
I look at the news and see who's occupying 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. and want to ask the Lord why. I, I see black boys getting gunned down in the streets and I want to ask God why. God, why are you allowing the circumstances of our lives to happen this way? And God says, I'm orchestrating the events of your life to create a crisis that only I can solve. But when I have a crisis that only I can solve, I don't step in directly and fix the crisis. I pick somebody that is inadequate, that is unqualified, and I pour out myself into that person and I use them to fix the problem. God is positioning you in the midst of a jacked up situation because he wants to use you to be the answer to your own problem. Oh God, I wish I had some help in here. God says, you want me to move. You want me to make a way. But you don't realize that I might be trying to use you. You want me to fix it. You want me to work it out. But you don't realize I might be trying to use you. You're wondering why nobody's supporting you. And why nobody's funding you. And why nobody's hopping on the bandwagon of your business idea. It's because God says, I'm working it out so that I can use you to be the answer to your problem. Because when I use you, nobody will be able to get the credit but me. Yeah. Uh, he tells Esther, you've got a date with destiny. He says, you've got a date with destiny. So then I got two points and then I'm done. Number one, how does Esther know that she's got a date with destiny. Number one, Mordecai tells Esther, you have been preserved by his power. You have been preserved by his power. Esther was alive in Babylon, but her parents and the rest of her siblings were dead, which means that she survived things that killed the people that were around her. God help me. Uh, uh, Esther was in the house with mama, daddy, brothers, sisters, but only Esther made it out alive, which means that she went through a circumstance that killed people with the same DNA she had, from the same upbringing she had, from the same spiritual background she had. But for some reason, God selected her to survive. God help me. I, and I don't want to pick on anybody. I don't want to really, I'm not trying to emotionalize y'all because I, I don't feel like I've got a hoop in me today. But I really want to talk to some people who understand that you come from a background that you shouldn't be living like you're living. You, you, you shouldn't be educated like you're educated. You shouldn't be working what, where you're working and making what you're making and surviving like you're surviving and thriving like you're thriving based on the other people in your family that you know. You should be broke, tripping, and crazy. 
schizophrenic and depressed. You should be out your mind. But for some reason, you are able to put your church clothes on. God, help me. And make your way into the sanctuary. And lift your hands during praise and worship. And not lose your mind in the hard times of life. Because God says, I've preserved you by my power. And some of us need to learn how to stop crying over what we've gone through. Stop lamenting over who and what we've lost. And start praising God that we survived. God, help me. As a matter of fact, that's the reason why I make it to church every Sunday morning. Uh, that's the reason why I come to church every weekend. It's not because I want to hear a sermon. It's not because I like preaching so much. It's not because I like the music. It's to celebrate the fact that I should have been dead, but God is a keeper. That I should have been wiped out, but God helped me survive. Is there anybody here who's glad that he helped you survive the storms of life? Yeah, he helped you. He kept you. He preserved you by his power. But not only that, Esther was a Jew in Babylon. Which means that God was concealing her identity from the people who would try to destroy her if they had known who she really was. If they had really known Esther's lineage and Esther's background, they would have tried to destroy her. But somehow, God made it so Esther was overlooked by people who she should have been noticed by. God help me. And that's some of your testimony in the building. You were looked over by people who should have noticed you. And you were mad at them because they looked you over when you wanted to be noticed by them. But God said the reason why they looked past you wasn't because you weren't worth it, wasn't because you wasn't pretty, wasn't because you wasn't handsome or gifted or charismatic. It is because God was concealing your identity from people and crowds who wanted to use you up until they broke you down and destroyed you. But God said, I preserved your identity until the time that I needed you the most. God, help me. Oh, God, who am I preaching to? Have you ever considered that the reason why you didn't fit in with some crowds of people, why you were excluded from some cliques, even in the church, was because God was covering you? God, help me. That the reason why you were a misfit was because God was covering you? It wasn't because you was crazy. It wasn't because they didn't understand you. God said, I'm covering you. That's why your last pastor didn't give you a position. That's why the last church you came from didn't ordain you, didn't elevate you. It's because if they had done it, they would have used you till they used you up. But God kept you secret until you got to a place where your gifts could be used not to build a man's kingdom, but for his glory. God said, I've allowed you to be overlooked until you got into your time. God, help me. Do me a favor. Look at somebody and say he covered me God help me oh God he covered me he concealed me God help me he says you've been preserved by his power number one but then Mordecai tells Esther you've been positioned for his purpose perhaps you've come into the kingdom such a time as this. 
Yeah, he, he says, you've been positioned for his purpose. Esther didn't understand why God would put a person like her in the place that she was in. But because of that, she was about to abort her destiny and try to save herself. But Mordecai reminded her, baby, this is bigger than you. And we've got to remember that when God blesses us, it's not just for us, but it's for everyone that's coming behind us. God help me. I, now, now, now I've, I've got to, I've got to be, be, very, be very careful here because everybody is not going to be able to shout on this. Uh, because I, I'm tired. Now, uh, uh, I, I had one of those moments. I've been in church all week this week, been in conferences all week this week, been dealing with church folk all week this week. And can I be honest with y'all? We family, right? We people, right? I'm, I'm, I'm pastor. Y'all my, y'all my folk. Can I, can I tell I, I had, that, y'all seen that, that video of that little boy that got up to give his Easter speech? Yeah. But instead of saying, Jesus rose on Easter day, he said, I'm tired of this church. Yeah. <laughs> and I, after a week of dealing with y'all, I mean church people, all week, I'm, I'm tired of this church. Not this one, but, but I mean the church Catholic, universal, you know. You know, I'm, not, I'm tired of this church. Can, can, I, can I be honest? I, I, I'm, I'm tired. And, and it's not just I'm tired of traditional church. I'm tired of millennial churches. I'm tired of skinny jean wearing cool churches with graphics. I'm, I'm tired of lights down low worship, highlights up Pentecostal shouting church. I'm tired of chanting churches. I'm tired of dipping churches, dunking churches, sprinkling churches, tongue talking church. I'm tired of this church. But can I tell y'all why I'm tired of this church? Because we've created an atmosphere in church to where people believe that every promise of scripture applies to every person. And so when people don't get the results that other folk get, they get mad and want to abandon church or they want to criticize church. But it's because we haven't preached to y'all what's right. We've been preaching to y'all to get offerings, not to make disciples. So when I preach a message that says it's your time, everybody in the church that feel like it's their time shout about that. And everybody who want it to be their time get excited about that. But can I tell y'all something? You might hear this message and enjoy this presentation and take a whole bunch of notes and still be waiting because it's not your time. But part of the problem of consumerist Christianity is that we have not been able to grasp the reality that it's not about us all the time. Esther says, look, Mordecai, you know where I come from. I ain't even from the good part of Jerusalem. I'm from the hood. Matter of fact, I didn't even want the king to pick me. You told me to try out to be the wife. And now God has brought me from the projects of Jerusalem, just outside of the sheep gate. God help me, y'all. Yeah, yeah, y'all don't realize. She said, you don't know where I came from. Now I'm in this palace. <laughs> we moved on up <laughs> to the east side, to a deluxe apartment in Persia. 
She said, I started from the bottom. Now I'm here. And stop tripping, Mordecai, because I didn't leave you behind. I got you a promotion too. So we straight. My whole team here. But God, through Mordecai, tells Esther something that everybody in this room needs to grasp. It's not just about you and yours. If when you get blessed by God, you take care of you and yours, what makes you better than the people who don't know God? Because even they do that. Y'all hear what I'm saying? If God cannot use your elevation to elevate somebody else, then you're not worthy of the elevation that you receive. And that is why some of us who are believers, now I'm not talking about non-believers, I'm talking about people who confess Christ. That's why you can have the job you want and still be miserable in your mind. You can have your dream wedding and still be sad and lonely. You can have all the stuff you say you want and still be perplexed and troubled in your mind and in your spirit. And can I speak now uh, just, just about the church in general since I'm on the subject? We're living in a generation now that the prosperity gospel can't help. <coughs> yeah, because before with our foreparents, for our mothers and our fathers, they needed a miracle to become a CEO. Now all I need is a degree and some tenacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They needed God to bless them to get a house. Now all I need is good credit and a down payment. And if I ain't got a down payment, I can get down payment assistance. So now, in order to grow our churches, Brother Herman, we can't promise people stuff. Because if I work hard, I can get my own stuff. I don't need God to give me stuff I can work for myself. But now the dilemma of the church is how do I preach to an Anthony Bourdain who made $12.5 million the year before he killed himself but still had a hole in his soul? How do I preach to a Kate Spade who has one of the most recognizable brands in the world but can't look in the mirror and stand herself? How do I help an Antonio Brown who doesn't need football but needs affirmation some kind of way. So he keeps acting out like a little child because he wants somebody to tell him that he means more than his gift. And we got to get to a place where we understand that what we do is not about us. God is trying to use us to help somebody else. He says, look, Esther... You've come into the kingdom for this time. That, now this ain't for everybody. It says there are generations depending on you. Now, I can't tell you prophetically if this is you or not. This is something you just got to know, as my daddy would say, in your knower. But there's somebody in here that you've got to make it. Because there's generations inside of you. God, help me. Uh, 
That there is a generation that's depending on you. There, there, there is some mother who's raising a daughter and you got to learn how to break the cycle uh, of mental instability because you got a daughter that's watching you. God help me. Uh, there's some father uh, that's raising a son that has to be a real man and not just a man uh, on social media, but a real man when he's at home because you got a son that's depending on you. You've got generations coming after you now. God said you got to make it because somebody coming after you is depending on you. That's why you can't get caught up in living your best life. Oh God, I'm about to mess somebody up. I'm about to clear this church out. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, because society has told you that your life is about gratifying yourself and achieving your own goals and doing the best you can for you and scratching your itches and getting what you need and securing your bag. But the problem is God said through Jesus Christ that anybody who seeks to save his life is going to lose it. God help me. Oh God, I want to talk to somebody now who's trying to protect their family from the church, who's trying to protect their relationship from the church, who's got these boundaries up that says that church ain't going to get all my time. They're not going to get all my money. They're not going to get all of my attention. You better understand that Jesus said that if you try to protect your life from my kingdom, you're going to lose your life. But if you give up your life for my kingdom, you'll gain it. God, help me. God said that if you take care of my stuff, I'll make sure that you're taken care of. We need to stop living our lives for the protection of self and understand that God is our protector. God, help me. Oh, God, everybody want to be a chief, but nobody wants wants to be an Indian. Everybody wants to be a shepherd, uh, but nobody wants to be a sheep. But can I tell you the benefit of being a sheep? I know prosperity preachers try to tell you we're not sheep. We're, uh, sheep are stupid and, and sheep are gullible and sheep go wherever somebody leads them. We're not sheep, but the Bible says we are his children and the sheep of his pasture. And can I tell you the blessing about being a sheep? The sheep yields everything he is to the use of the shepherd. The sheep gives up everything that he has to be benefit the rest of the flock. The sheep is led around by the shepherd, but the benefit of the sheep is that when the wolves come, the sheep does not have to fight off the wolves on their own. The sheep is protected by the shepherd. God, help me. I wish somebody would get excited about the fact that you don't got to look out for yourself, but God is looking out for you. You don't got to protect yourself. God is protecting you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not walk. He maketh me to lie down. God, I feel like it now. Oh, God, he tells him, he says, you've, you've been positioned for his purpose. It's not about you. It's about the people who are connected to you. If you got a good job, it's not about you. If you got a good connection, good social network, it is not about you. If you got a place, a house, all of that stuff, it is not about you. But you need to start asking the question, how can I leverage the things I have for the glory of God? I'm not telling you to sell everything you have and give all your money to the church. That's not what I'm saying. But some of y'all are tripping about something you ain't even close to yet. You're talking about I ain't going to give the church all my money and you ain't even giving the church some of your money. You give your kids more lunch money every week than you give to the church. You give more time to power on Sunday evening than you give to Bible study during the week. 
and you tripping about your time and your talent and your treasure. You don't do enough to worry about that. Start doing the basics first. Ain't nobody going to use you. Oh, we got good sense here. This is a good church. We ain't tripping on you like that. How many times have we called you and asked you to come out to an evening service? Some of y'all emailing me mad because we don't have Bible study. We ain't got no building. Mr. Chico can't let us in here on Wednesday night. Can you, Mr. Chico, you let us? On Wednesday night? <laughs> he might be able to work on that for you. If you email me this week, you know who you are. Me and Mr. Chico going to talk after church. It's not about you. You hear what I'm saying? It's not about you, okay? So then, God gives Esther a platform. I'm done. <clears throat> he gives Esther a platform. And when God gives you a platform, the platform is not for you. God doesn't have any problem with you getting the attention as long as when you get the attention, you give him the glory. Genesis 12, God speaks to Abraham or Abram for a second time. and He says, get thee out of thy father's house and out of thy land and away from thy kindred and go into a land that I will show you and I will surely bless thee and I will make thy name great. Notice that he doesn't say, I will make my name great. He tells Abram, I will make your name great. I want to scare you with something. What if you served a God that wasn't intimidated by your greatness? What if you didn't serve a God that you didn't have to beg to let you be great? God's not intimidated by your blow up or your glow up. God only blesses people, though, who he can trust to give him glory when they get to that place. And can I tell you how God knows he can trust you on that next level? If he can't trust you here, he can't trust you on the next level. You're not going to become a millionaire and start tithing. You're not going to get a raise on your job and start tithing. You're not going to get a more flexible schedule and start serving more. If you're not doing anything right now, you're going to fill that space of more time, of more margin in your budget with the same thing you fill it with now. That's why a bigger house don't mean cleaner house. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Bigger house don't mean clean. I remember I, before I got the vehicle I'm driving now, I had another vehicle, and my children would mess up the back seat of that vehicle uh, the same way they mess up the back seat of the new vehicle. But the reason I wasn't tripping about my children messing up the back seat of the new vehicle is because I cleaned out the old one. I kept the old one clean. So the same rhythm, Thursday morning after I dropped them off at school, I go to Jerry's the same way I did when I had the old car. You hear what I'm saying? You don't develop rhythms with new stuff. You develop rhythms of discipline and glory in the times when you don't have anything. Y'all hear what I'm saying? That's, that's how God trains you. 
Understand what I'm saying? Like, let me, I want to help somebody now. now, now if, you, if you're looking to get married too, I want to help you, right? Uh, you can negotiate whatever you need to negotiate to be ready for whatever you need to be ready for. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I, I, okay, let me help you. If a man wants to do something, he going to do it. The same way he do all the other stuff that he do that you don't like. He make time for it. He carve out space for it. He creates opportunity for it. Y'all hear what I'm saying to you? Yeah. If you really want to do something, you'll make time for it. How do you know? Because you make time to sin. You won't go to the gym to save your heart and high blood pressure, but you'll go to the gym so you can take a phone call you ain't got no business taking. You won't do research on your Bible, but you'll do research on something in the Bible like tithing to prove that you ain't got to do it. You'll make time to do whatever you want to do. And some of you have not been blessed because God knows that he can't trust you because you got time. One of the most troubling statements to some of us as Christians should be the statement, God knows my heart. You should not be comforted by the fact that God knows your heart. You should be troubled by it. You should be troubled by the reality that God knows what you can do and sometimes you still don't do it. Do you hear what I'm saying? God's not about to elevate you until he can trust you. But there was something that happened in Esther's life that made God sure that even in spite of her fears, she would glorify him in the struggle. And can I tell you what Esther said? She said, look here, I'm going to go to the king. This is verse 16. She said, which is not according to the law. But if I perish, I perish. God help me. Esther decided, she said, look, I know it's not about me, but if I die, I die. Because I realized that I shouldn't be here in the first place. God help me. I don't deserve, and, and, and can we stop tripping like we own stuff that we know we don't deserve? You stingy with something you ain't got no business with in the first place. You tripping over something that you know you don't deserve. You might know the job now, but you know that when you got there, you lied on your resume. You know that some of them grades you got in school, you really didn't get them. You know, I've been in school and I got some grades and I was like, huh, yeah, give me that A. I earned that. And then there was some C's and B's I got. And I was like, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. I was waiting on the D. Thank oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I mean, like, you know, you take a master's program like an MDiv, right? Master's Divinity in seminary. You, can, you can't get but, like, two C's and get the degree, right? So, like, I, I stopped seminary because I had heart surgery, but I really stopped it because... That Hebrew too. <laughs> I said, look here. I don't know if I, can, if I get another C. 
Hebrew 1 got me a C and I barely made it. I had to stop. But there are some stuff like, but, but see, we get degrees and we get jobs and stuff. And we want to hold them over the church's head and hold them over God's head like we deserve them. And you know that you made it by the skin of your teeth. So what you being stingy for? You got something like, oh, can I, can I be real? And I, I'm, I'm going to be done. I got a good clothes, though, so I might, I might still hoop. But um, can, I just, can I just say this? Can I say this for real? Like, you pastor people, right? I pastor people who will miss out on church stuff for family time. And I'd be thinking to myself, now I just had to talk you out of leaving your family a week ago, but now they're more important than the church. I had to tell you to stay on that job. Don't quit. How you going to take care of your bills? You like eating. Oh, pastor, this is not my passion. You passionate about food, ain't you? You passionate about shelter. But now the thing that we had to pray you on is more important than the power that we use to keep you on it or keep you in it. Some of y'all are in trouble at home, in trouble at work, in trouble in your mind, in trouble in your money because you are tripping and you are worshiping a created thing more than the creator who gave it to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, let me come off of that because uh, I don't want to make nobody else mad. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Mordecai tells Esther, he says, look, you got a date with destiny. This is your moment. This is your time for you to walk into the place that God has ordained for you to be. And you can't walk into that place trifling, right? You can, you can have habits and you can have cycles. You can have stuff going on in your life uh, that you know you need to get, get right. Nobody's perfect, right? But you, 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 you got to at least have the mentality that you're going to try to correct it, right? And it's time for you to walk into destiny. And let's be honest, walking into purpose is scary, right? Even in the text, Esther is hesitant to do it. So what assurance do I have walking into purpose that this is going to work out? And God says, if you commit not to miss your moment, to rise to the occasion, then God promises that you may not be able to see him in your situation, but you will recognize his protection. Oh, God, that's so good. Can, can I tell y'all why that's so good? Esther is one of only two books of the Bible. Or I'm sorry, the only book of the Bible where the name of God is never mentioned. The book of Ruth does not use the covenant name of God. It uses Elohim. When, when, when Ruth tells Naomi, your people will be my people and your God Elohim will be my God, right? But Esther is the only book of the Bible where the name of God is not mentioned. The name of God or any God is mentioned ever, period. 
but it's in the Bible. Because even though we cannot see God's name in the text, we can see God's nature in the text. God, help me. Uh, we not, may not be able to see his name, but we can see him moving in the text. And, and some of us need to understand that you don't have to see him to know he's working. God, help me. Uh, you, you don't have to see God to know that he's working. You don't have to see God to know that he's fixing it for you. You don't have to see God to know that he's working things out on your behalf. As a matter of fact, is there anybody here who has seen God work, but you didn't see him working? God, help me. You, you watched him fix it, but you could not see him moving. You, but but, but, but you, when you woke up, it was handled. Okay. Let me help you. And I'm done. Uh, when, when we were living in Omaha, uh, one, one of my, and y'all will meet him here in a few months, um, my dad, and he told me he's going to do this for the staff. So, <laughs> staff, y'all need to celebrate. My dad is a phenomenal cook. Uh, I mean, um, but the thing he does best, Mike, is he bakes. My dad is a baker. And his best, the best thing that he bakes is chocolate chip cookies. Now, I want to help y'all. I want to help you. I'm trying to help you. You need to understand how good these chocolate chip cookies are. Right? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the only boy in my mother and father's house. My father had a son, uh, my brother, who died a few years ago uh, before he met my mother uh, when he was still in high school. Uh, so I was the only boy in the house. And I was raised under strict manners to never put my hand on any girl. But my parents would let us fight over those cookies. No, 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 I need you to understand. My dad would take one cookie, have a whole cookie jar full of cookies, set the cookie in the middle of the table, and say, Angel, Rachel, Joshua, Bethany, cookies are ready. And we think there were cookies, but it was only one cookie in the middle of the table. And my mom and dad would watch from the kitchen us arguing and fighting over that cookie. That's when we was like, 9, 10, 11, 12. We old now. And still, in our 30s and 40s, my mother and father's youngest child is 30 years old. And even now, we still get to talking about, because we be cracking jokes, talking about each other and pushing each other around over them. Them cookies are good. I mean, they're good. They're so good that my dad came, was that about two years ago? Or a year and a half ago? Yeah. You would say, sure, sure, I answer. Wh which one is it? About two years ago. <laughs> She's like, yeah. Like, wh which one is it? I gave you a choice. Is it A or is it B? Yes. <laughs> so, my dad, the cookies are so good that uh, he made some cookies when he came to visit like two years ago. And I had a boss that didn't like me very much. And I took one of them cookies up to my boss's office and let him try one of them cookies. And uh, he calls me, has his assistant call me down, uh, pastor would like to see you. I'm like, oh God. I come down. Now my dad used rich chocolate chips, right? He used rich chocolate chips, right? And uh, 
Pastor got crumbs in his beard. Um, Doc, where'd you get the cookies? <laughs> I'm like, my dad made those cookies. I said, my dad made them. He said, uh, these cookies are phenomenal. <laughs> these, these are some amazing cookies. And it was so good, the cookies were so good, he gave me permission to take the rest of the day off work to go back home with the promise that I'd bring him another cookie the next day. The cookies was gone, but that's, but that's how good they were, right? So that, that's all I'm trying to get y'all to see, that my dad makes really good cookies, that it's not, it's not, it's not, a, it's, it's not a game. He don't play. So anyway, when we were living in Omaha, <coughs> Y'all, uh, y'all got to pray for me. I'm sick and sleepy. So y'all, gotta, this will turn into a stand-up routine. Like, y'all got to say amen, bring the Holy Ghost back or something. Uh, so a few years ago, we were still living in Omaha. And my dad calls me on the phone because my sisters had ate up all the cookies. I was mad, so I said I wasn't coming to my dad's house. So my dad calls me. He says, son, come to the house I'm making some more cookies for you. Now, here's the thing. I lived in West Omaha, which is about 35 minutes away from where my parents were. Um, but I put my clothes on, and I get in the car, and I start heading over to my dad's house. Now, I could not smell the cookies. I could not see the butter melting. I could not see my dad's hand kneading the dough together, mixing the chocolate chips in. But because he told me he was working on something for me, I got in the car and started moving in his direction because I trusted his word that he was working it out, even though I couldn't see him. Now, I couldn't see him working on it. We wasn't FaceTiming. I, could, I wasn't on the phone with him, listening to him, running the mixer. I just trusted that because he was my father and he made me a promise that he was going to work it out, that he was going to fix it. For me, God help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but somebody here needs to learn how to move in the direction of God. Not because you can figure everything out. Not because you can see the way clearly. Not because it looks like it's supposed to look. But because he told you that he's going to work it out for you. God told you that he's going to fix it. Baby, you're not going to be broke forever. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You're not going to be sick forever. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement that brought your peace was upon him and by your stripes we are healed. You're not going to be broken down forever. Your enemies are not going to have the rule over you. No weapon that is formed against you shall be able to prosper. You're not going to cry for the rest of your life over that jacked up situation. As a matter of fact, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning and you got to learn how to shout it out while God works it out. God, help me. Esther says, look here, I'm going to see the king and I don't know how this is going to work out for me. I don't know how this is going to turn for me. I don't know how this is going to get better. But Esther says, I'm going to walk in because my God, who is a king over every king and who is a Lord over every Lord, he's already extended his scepter to me. And so even if Xerxes does not extend his scepter, God, 
God is working things out on my behalf. And so the Bible says that after Esther spoke to Mordecai and agrees to help the Jews by going before the king and pleading their case to him. The Bible says that she goes in there breaking the law. God help me. She went into the presence of the king breaking the law and she should have been executed on the spot. But the Bible says that the king extended his scepter to her which was a sign that she had found favor in his sight and that her life was to be spared. God help me. You missed it. She went into the presence of the king. She went into the presence of the king Tiffany unworthy, unholy, unable to stand before him. And the Bible says that even though she should have been dead, God help me, the king extended the scepter to her. And somebody needs to understand that even though she came into the presence of the king and the law demanded that she should die, instead of killing her, uh, the king extended grace to her that saved her life. And I've got to leave you here now. But some of you are wondering how you got to church today. Why you get to worship him. It's not because of your own good. It's not because of anything you've done. But it's because when justice demanded that you should die, the king extended a scepter called the cross to you. God, help me. Oh, God, can I preach it like I feel it for a little while? God said you should have been dead when you came into my presence with that jacked up attitude, with that phony fake and facadist position that acts like everything is all right when everything is not all right. I should have taken you out huh? when you cut your eyes at your neighbor in praise and worship. I should have killed you when you was nasty to your husband last week. I, I should have killed you when you treated me foul when I'm the only one that loves you the right way. But God says I'm extending my scepter to you. And who is it in the building today that understands that you are here by the grace of God? That God says my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. God, help me. Do me a favor now and grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, he's extending his scepter to you. Do me a favor now. Say, neighbor, he's extending his scepter to you. He's getting ready to give you grace that you don't deserve. He's getting ready to give you peace that you can't afford. Some of you got homes, but you feel by yourself in the midnight hour. I want you to know that he's extending grace, grace to you. And is there anybody here in the building today who can help a preacher preach and say the grace of God is the reason why I'm still here, that I should have been dead. Yes, God, sleeping in my grave, but I'm still here. And it's by the grace of God. Grab your neighbor's hand and say, neighbor, uh, neighbor, the Lord wants me to tell you that it's your time. He's going to give you grace for your next level. He's going to give you peace in the midst of your storm. I wish I had a voice today so I could preach it the way I'm feeling it in my heart. But tell somebody you've got a date with destiny. The Lord is on your side. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither 
It entered into the hearts of men. The things, the things that the Lord has in store for them that love him, but he has revealed it to us by his spirit. I dare you to find you a praise partner. I would say grab your neighbor, but that neighbor may not be excited about your future. So do me a favor and find, 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 find somebody that's excited about your future and grab them by the hand. I said, grab them by the hand. I said, grab them by the hand and said, neighbor, God is getting ready to turn your situation all the way, not some of the way, not part of the way, not a little bit of the way, but he's going to turn it all the way, 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 all the way around. Is there anybody here? I said, is there anybody here? Is there anybody here that can give him praise? Like you believe, like you believe that it's my time, it's my season. God is about to do something all extra, extraordinary, supernatural in my life. God is getting ready to do something special in my life. Forgive me, y'all. I didn't mean, didn't mean, didn't mean, didn't mean, didn't mean to do all of this today. But it's my birthday. So can I give? Yes, Lord. Can I give a testimony? Oh, Lord. I said, can I give my birthday testimony? Yes. Is there anybody here who can testify that the Lord is a keeper? And you want to tell him thank you. Can we have a thank you party? Not a birthday party, but a thank you party for him keeping you every step of the way. But it might not be your birthday, but you can participate in a thank you party. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. How can I say thank you for all of the things you've done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels can't convey my gratitude. All that and ever hope to be I am because of you to God be the glory to God be the glory to God be the glory for the thing 
say to God be the glory. Yeah.